Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're just uh, going to have uh, Professor Adriana Sanford join us here shortly. Uh, This particular uh, subject that we're going to talk about is a case that is going on uh, with Microsoft. And it happens to be a very intriguing case because it can affect every business in the country. And let me just kind of give you a quick scenario as to why. If you have your email sitting off-site on a server someplace, it's not on your server in your shop, the question you have to ask yourself is where is the server? Now, the obvious answer might be, well, it's, you know, in a town not too far away from me. Well, that may not be the case. Because of the cloud, that server could be anywhere in the world. And if you are a Gmail user, your server might be floating on a barge in San Francisco Bay where Google built a server farm because it was cheaper real estate than trying to put something on the land itself. In the Microsoft case, a server happened to be sitting in Dublin, Ireland. And all of the emails were parked on the server in Dublin, Ireland, and Microsoft thought that they were operating under U.S. law. Then a case came up, which uh, Professor Sanford will go into in a little more detail, and it turns out that there is a conflict between U.S. law and European Union law in terms of access to those emails. So Microsoft is now caught in between international laws the U.S. international law governing the privacy rights to those emails, and European Union laws where the privacy rights are different. So therein lies the challenge, and it's kind of a sticky wicket case, and I I will have Professor Sanford go into some of the detail of it uh, in a moment here. Uh, Lou and I talked about this briefly, and, you know, it was a question I posed to Lou. You know, all Bettles and Forge Group has their email served by, you know, Outlook, the, the Microsoft platform, off-site somewhere. So I asked Lou, Lou, do you know where your server is sitting? Uh, and I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't know where it is. And, um, you know, in, in doing some research uh, for this show, um, it seems as though I'll go a little bit further into some of the problem areas. It seems as though that um, Dublin uh, wanted to uh, get the rights to be able to look at emails that were on the Microsoft servers that were in their country. Microsoft said no, because that's not the law in uh, the U.S., uh, so the problem is... Go ahead, Lou. The issue is that uh, Microsoft is uh, trying to abide by two sets of rules, and it's not working. Right. And what's happening right. is that... Uh, and this is why it's being called the Microsoft and Dublin email issue. And matter of fact, uh, we have um, 
on Manufacturing Talk Radio, for you, all of you who are listening, you will see that we have a resource area right underneath the player that you're listening to the show uh, on, and there are four or five articles uh, that go into great detail about this and go into some real scary stuff how it's going to affect manufacturing here or could affect manufacturing here in the United States. Uh, Matter of fact, the first of the five articles uh, was written by uh, Professor Adriana Sanford uh, along with uh, two other uh, co-writers and, again, goes into significant detail about the, the issues. Um, and apparently this has been going on now for several years, um, and it's beginning to uh, beginning to get there. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, Professor Sanford will be able to tell us more about that. Uh, Adriana, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Nice to be on the show. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, share with us the, the origin of this mess. And where we are today. Sure. The, the origin of this case, the Microsoft case, is that there was a U.S. search warrant. And this U.S. search warrant was requesting the content of a certain email account. And that email account was actually in Dublin, in the EU. Now, the problem with this is it, this is a co- more of a complex of law uh, type issue. This is not your typical search warrant case, a U.S. search warrant case, and this is why it's a big case. And we have many companies, trade associations, executives that are looking into this, and it is actually one of the most publicized cases that has not made it to the Supreme Court. The issue is whether a U.S. search warrant can have an extraterritorial reach and how that is being handled and, you know, there are de- several amicus briefs that have been filed by uh, members of EU Parliament, by Verizon, by AT&T, by several companies. And we are trying to get at the root of the issue, which is really trying to strike a balance between digital privacy and public safety. So it's more of a policy dispute. And at the core of this case is obviously the right to privacy. Okay. However, for you know any manufacturer sitting here in the U.S. who does not necessarily know where his email server is sitting, this could pose a risk for them, could it not? It could. It could for several reasons. First of all, this is not only an issue for the tech companies. Um, it's a big issue for the tech companies because in the event this case right now is going to uh, – it's with the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And if they uphold the district court's ruling, what it means for the tech companies is they may not be used in certain parts of the world, especially in the EU. Many companies may decide that they don't want to do business with the tech companies. Well, the tech companies are, they have what is called cloud computing. And any company in the manufacturing industry or in any other industry that stores private and personal identifiable information on servers, those servers can be stored in other countries. 
the software programs are part of the customer relationship system and the enterprise resource programs, the ERPs. And the problem with that is that that information may not be safe. That information may be required in a criminal investigation and may have to be turned over. Um, without the foreign country's ability to have a say in the matter. And that can be very serious because if, if the U.S. is doing it, what's to say that next month another country will do the same? So it's really an issue of respecting each other's rights, sovereign rights. Is there anything going on in regards to the to the EU and the U.S. to come to some kind of satisfactory resolution uh, in spite of the fact that you know their laws are both significantly different but just for the sake of uh, uh, smoothness and technology and emailing and communications that they can find a common ground that everybody can agree to? Well we have in place actually an agreement with the EU. It's, it's, it's the MLAT and that stands for Mutual Legal Assistance uh, Treaty. That is a, an agreement, basically, that was designed specifically to permit U.S. law enforcement authorities to obtain personal data located in the EU for criminal investigations. The problem is the laws are not keeping up with the times. And as a result of that, we are seeing areas, especially with regards to digital uh, issues, digital privacy and cloud computing, where we're not covering. So what do I expect to see? What do we think will happen? Well, first of all, this case, this Microsoft case, will be resolved later this year, and we are expecting or we are hoping that they um, actually come out winning. Uh, that would be the best outcome. Um, undoubtedly the best for everyone because for the cloud industry it would solve the question of whether companies' sensitive uh, data is safe with American providers. But also on top of that, what we need to see is we need to see reform and modernization of this existing structure. We need to streamline the process. And it's clear to everybody that the operational procedures may not be perfect at this point. So this is why this has happened. We should start, though, with what we have, which is we need to improve uh, the process, the procedures. We need to improve technology with our closest allies, and I would say that would be with the EU and with countries where we really need information on sensitive cases. So it's going to be a process. I do think that at the end of the day we are going to sit down and discuss it, but in the meantime we have companies and executives that are really caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, they're in a predicament because regardless of what they do, um, they either violate the laws of foreign countries or they disobey this warrant. In order to comply with one, you must not comply with the other. I need a little clarity on that, uh, Professor. Um, you said it would be a good thing, and then the hopeful outcome is that Microsoft wins. Uh, by the end of the year. What does that mean if it wins? If it wins in a federal court. You still have foreign laws that they are now not abiding by. So what's the win? Well, the win is up to now what has happened is Microsoft has not turned over 
the war, the, the, the information, the content from those emails. And what they have said is we cannot do this because if we do this, we are violating foreign law. If we violate foreign law, it will put we're violating international understandings. We're harming American businesses. Uh, Americans can potentially face liability abroad. And at this point, they're, they're standing still, and they're waiting for the governments to decide how to handle this. If they move in either direction, they will either be sanctioned by the EU for doing this, or right now they're being held in contempt by the U.S. government for not complying. So the best possible outcome would be that this judge takes a look at this case and realizes that this issue is, goes a lot further and it concerns issues of respecting data privacy and international law interests of other countries. It is not a U.S. Uh, issue. This is an issue of international law. So the best possible outcome would be for the judge to not hold them in contempt but understand the implications and how Microsoft has been put in a predicament. This is why a lot of companies are jumping on this case and supporting uh, Microsoft's position. We have, you know, even members of, uh, of the Parliament, of the EU Parliament. We have Verizon. Verizon's amicus brief said uh, basically that if we do this, we're inviting foreign governments to unilaterally obtain electronic communications of data of Americans in the U.S. So that's their concern. AT&T's amicus brief said that they're concerned that should Microsoft lose this case, we will be viewed, this will be viewed as a sign that Congress, the executive branch, and the U.S. courts don't respect the data privacy laws of other countries, and then they may not be able to work. They may be left out of certain opportunities because other countries may not want to work with the e, with the U.S. because they may not trust our system. So it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. Um, and when is this supposed to be settled by? Well, we're hoping the end of the year. So we don't really know exactly when, but we know that mm -hmm. they're talking. And we understand what the issues are. We understand that this is a very big issue, obviously. We all want digital privacy. We all want public safety. The big issue is trying to find a way to extend and maybe adapt our legal protections to today's world. And right now we've got multinationals and we've got com you know executives that are caught. And it is a concern for our manufacturing businesses. It's a concern for anybody who stores personal information, sensitive information. And remember, the EU, for the EU, data privacy and the right to privacy is a basic fundamental human right. So if they are not respected, we will not be doing much work with this region of the world. Mm. The, the German government has already said that if they don't have the assurance that their information is private and protected, they will stop working with U.S. companies, with U.S. tech companies. They've already stopped working with Verizon on their government uh, 
uh, on the government side. Verizon no longer handles that because they did not believe that they could have this assurance that their information is protected. So we are starting to see what's happening with these companies and what it's going to be doing to us, um, to our economy, and to our multinationals. And hopefully we can turn this around because the real issue is this is basically like mom and dad. You know, the U.S. is, is dad and, the, and mom maybe the EU, and you got Microsoft as the, the child in the middle. And rather than fighting among us, we need to realize we're all on the same team because if not, we're going to end up hurting Microsoft and all these other companies. And while this is happening, we've got terrorism. We've got real problems. So we have to come to an agreement on how to take care of this and how to handle this in an efficient way where we actually are providing security for both sides and mutual respect in this area. Uh, Professor, this is, uh, I, I understand the, the, the massiveness of this uh, issue, and it's certainly something that I think that uh, until it comes to uh, some closure, that uh, we would like to hear more from you in the oncoming months uh, on this topic with an update um, and as to the direction that this is going. I'm sure there's going to be lots of information. I don't know if it's going to be coming out in a normal regular media because they seem to only um, deal with what uh, what bleeds and uh, we don't do that here so this is something that I, I would really like to stay on top of and appreciate your input on this that, absolutely the, I, I'll, I'll keep you informed we are right now we just you know at this point I think everyone is is is, is has a you know a close look a lot of um, you know countries are looking to see what's happening and uh, it is obviously of great importance to our to our companies. By the way, I, I did mention it uh, in the first part of our show, and I'll mention it uh, now as well, that um, for our listeners who um, are on our player, you will see under the player there are five links to uh, various uh, resources of information. Uh, including the first link, which was uh, Professor Adriana's uh, article that was written in ISM, um, uh, I, I believe, recently, as recent as uh, December, uh, a rather in-depth uh, article. So I, I suggest that if you want to hear more of uh, this from uh, Professor uh, Sanford, that you go to our resource area, click on it, you can read those articles uh, there. Tim? Yeah, that uh, resource area is on msgtalkradio.com. Go to the show itself, and right below the show, which once it's up as a podcast, has a player that Lou's referring to, you'll see the five links. Uh, Professor, I understand that there's 23 trade associations who've signed on to the amicus briefs as well. Can you share with our listeners some of those trade associations so they know whether you know my industry is involved or not, and I think they all really are? They, there are many. I don't have the list with me, but what I can tell you is the reason that they are involved is because our com all of our companies, we've got millions of, of Americans out there that place data in numerous jurisdictions. Um, I can get you that list, but it's, um, it's an issue not only for them, it's an issue for Verizon, for Cisco, for Apple, for all of our companies. 
and everybody's jumping on board. The EU Commission members of the of the EU Parliament are concerned about this. Uh, the Vice President of the EU Commission made a comment saying that basically the this district court's order bypasses existing formal procedures, and there is something in place. And we need to ensure certain safeguards in terms of data protection. But that's at the heart of it. Is uh, Washington throwing their hat in the ring on this one, or are they standing on the sidelines? I think they're involved. I don't know the details of it. Unfortunately, I don't have that privy to that information. A lot of my Mm -hmm. information comes directly from the EU and from the companies that are involved uh, in the EU. So I end up getting more information from the EU than I do from the U.S. <laughs> Not well, surprised. That would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, for a moment, let's take the downside look at this, uh, Professor. Let's say this case goes against Microsoft. Uh, other than Germany, what's the outcome here? Well, the concern is that this may end up harming all of us because our tech companies are some of the biggest and in the event they are not trusted in the EU, the, they will be held in contempt. And other companies will not, be, you know, anytime they transfer data uh, under these circumstances. And this may go on. This may not be the first. There may be several t- incidents. If this is allowed to happen, this may happen on a regular basis. What does that mean? That means our tech companies are not going to be trusted. That means they have a a lesser chance of being selected for certain deals, and they may not be doing business in the EU. Also, they may not be doing business in other parts of the world. There are many other regions that actually uh, have similar frameworks to the EU. They're waiting for the new EU data protection uh, regulation to come out, which is going to streamline the process for data protection in the EU. Many countries, Argentina, um, parts of Africa, are going to be adopting this new framework. And so you're going to see the effect of what the EU regulation has on these countries. And in the event the U.S. is not complying or does not wish to comply with this, you may see strong repercussions of that in those regions as well. So what does this mean for our businesses? It means we may not have the opportunities that other con- you know, countries and their companies have because they may not trust that their information, their private, sensitive, identifiable information is protected. Now, I do know the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the National Association of Manufacturers are both signed on. And watching this case very closely, their concern is the ability of businesses in all sectors to take advantage of the efficiencies offered by cloud computing. So that's one of the reasons they're involved in this, other than the privacy issues themselves. This could uh, take a chip out of the U.S. economy, which we certainly don't want to have happen. And all of the media companies, of course, are very concerned about it. CNN, ABC, Fox News, Forbes, uh, Gannett. Washington Post, New York Daily News, Seattle Times, all over the country. The media companies are looking at this. Obviously, they're doing business all over the world. They have information stored all over the world. Their journalists collect information from all over the world. And suddenly, if one country or another can uh, grab hold of private information and the development of a story or anything else, we've got a real problem on our hands. Uh, I know that Lou asked you earlier, but uh, I want to ask you again, Professor, uh, Do you see a positive outcome here where the EU and the U.S. are going to make nice here and come to some kind of a document of understanding between the parties? 
I do, and I and that was one of my big concerns, and I kind of reached out to some of the individuals I know in the EU, and I asked that same question because I was very concerned about that. If we don't come to an agreement, it's going to it's going to be very detrimental. And what I've been told is that there is something in the works that they are looking at this and that they will be coming to some kind of an agreement. Details I don't know, but I, I do know that the U.S. has realized how important this is for our Americans uh, our companies, our, our American economy, and uh, our own privacy. And there have been actually some remarks made uh, by certain senators saying that perhaps we should relook at U.S. Uh, citizens and, and their right to privacy. And this is an issue that in the past has not received as much uh, attention. And now that this is there uh, and this case has come up, we have actually individuals saying that maybe Americans uh, should have more of a right to privacy, maybe a basic human right. Well, uh, certainly, and that's very interesting. I, I didn't realize that we don't, and maybe you can correct me, uh, from a constitutional law basis, don't we have a right to privacy? No, we don't have a basic fundamental uh, human right we have a reasonable expectation and the problem with the reasonable with the the test such as a reasonable expectation to privacy is nobody has an expectation anymore because you assume that when you go online and you buy a new you know iPhone or 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 a new book uh that your information is going to be stored and shared with data brokers and Americans have kind of lost that um have lost that belief in our system that we have a right to privacy. So the test, I think, needs to be looked at, and we really should be focusing more on whether we should have that right, not whether we expect it. Well, if you bring up an interesting point for a show at another time when we want to talk constitutional law, I didn't realize that the uh, the American citizen had given up their fundamental right to privacy. They only have a reasonable expectation of privacy. It's kind of a shocking statement. Right, right. Uh, there are many countries that have a basic fundamental human right. EU citizens have this. Several other countries have this. We do not have this here. And uh, Lou's shaking his head. I'm, I'm <laughs> actually stunned by this. I, I'm going to have to... Imagine. I'm going to have I to do some research. Shaking their head. <laughs> I, I'm stunned by that comment. I really am. Uh, well, well and, and in light of these Snowden revelations, this is where all of a sudden this became an issue. With the Snowden revelations, that made the EU realize that their EU data protection directive was not enough. That directive had been drafted in, in the mid-1990s. And that's what really sparked the new EU data protection regulation, which will be binding on all 28 EU countries, and its extraterritorial reach will go further than the current directive, and it will streamline the process. But all of that started with Snowden and the Snowden revelations that their information was not secure. Well, that wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio today, and we'll come back and visit this subject again in the near future. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 
at mfgtalkradio.com. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you ought to call us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.